This Week in HPC. Intel gets final piece of coral. Altera deal in doubt. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research and distributed by our friends at top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, big news this week in HPC. We've been waiting for the the third uh, major supercomputer announcement in the uh, Coral Coalition from the Department of Energy, and now we've got it. Yep, we, do, we sure do. It's big money, too. It's $200 million, and... Somewhat surprisingly, it's going to Intel here as the prime subcontractor for that supercomputer. You might be surprised. I'm not surprised. I, I said three years ago this was coming, although it did come a little sooner than we thought it might, that Intel would become the prime vendor on a major DOE supercomputer. Right. I remember you were you talked about that. You think you thought Intel was positioning itself as, as a prime subcontractor in the HPC business. And sure enough, they, they got the deal. And it, this is a pre-exascale system. Um, uh, this one's set to be delivered in 2018, but it's the first time, I guess, Intel has been the prime on a on an HPC deal since uh, ASCII Red about 20 years ago. So this is a a big win for Intel and a big departure from uh, from what they've been doing and from what uh, the DOE has been doing for quite a while. Not that the server vendor gets left out on this. This will be a major Cray system going into the DOE at Argonne here. Right. This is the Cray's. Their next. It'll be their next generation shaft supercomputer, presumably some XC fifty or sixty or whatever the number happens to be. But it'll be based on on Intel technology, including the interconnect they they bought from Cray, presumably. Uh, a few years ago, and uh, some of the other componentry, the Luster uh, software stack, and, and some of the other things Intel's been developing over the years. But you know, thinking about it like this, I mean, Cray is, is not like this this integrator. I mean, they're not a system integrator. They're ha- they have their own OEM designs and everything. And I'm sort of wondering why Intel got the nod for the for the prime on this, and why not Cray? They're they're supplying the system here. Well, this goes back to what we theorized when Intel bought those Cray Interconnect futures uh, three years ago. That was in early 2012. Plus, Intel had made some other major acquisitions that year. They were looking at uh, they they bought QLogic, or rather the InfiniBand business from QLogic. They bought some Ethernet technologies. They bought WAM Cloud to shore up the Luster side. So we were talking a lot in 2012 about the idea that Intel would have more of the proprietary technologies in house in order for Intel to be considered the prime contractor, and then they would sub it out to other server or storage or other types of partners underneath that. I'm really not surprised at all. Uh, It did come a little sooner. We were talking about Exascale. Looking at three years ago, we were talking about this for Exascale kind of around the end of a decade. Uh, So this is now only 2015. We've turned it upside down to Intel being the prime. I I will say one difference with ASCII Red, is I don't think this will be a one-off. I think this will be a, a new model that you'll see going forward where Intel really is viewed as being the one controlling the proprietary technology here, the, this, the system architecture, the processor architecture, a lot of the developer tools around this, and then they will sub it out to other partners going forward. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's right. I mean, here's, here's Intel calling the shots. Uh, I, I sort of wonder how the bidding went on this contract or the, the, the corral work. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Cray actually bid on this as a prime as well. Uh, I don't know what that was formulated like, or, or maybe they were just, they partnered with Intel like this from the very beginning, but it, it sort of puts Cray in an odd situation in a certain sense. But um, I'm not sure Cray could have done that, really, not if they intended to bid an Intel architect. The previous DOE supercomputers found Intel in an awkward position where all of the server vendors would bid on these computers, and then Intel would have to give best and final pricing on their processors to every system vendor that wanted to go use Intel processors on these bids, which was all of them. So Intel finally was able to say, look, if you really want Intel processors in this DOE supercomputer, you give this bid to us, and then we'll decide who the server component's going to be. Right. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. It's 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 they've got so much of the technology now, and uh, they control so much of this technology. And some of it's proprietary, some of it not quite. But uh, I think now they are able to call the shots here. And we, we should mention uh, I don't think we mentioned before it, it's it's a pre exascale system, and this one's going to top out at a peak performance of 180 petaflops, which would probably make it the largest system at that time. Although this this is going to be 2018, so there's going to be other 100-plus petaflop systems out there at that point. Well, that's really kind of the minimum. And Nicole Hemsoth at the platform was reporting some of the details on this system, such as she was able to put them together. And, and what she's saying is that at, at over 50,000 nodes, we're going to have a predicted peak performance of, a, of 180 petaflops, but with a range that's actually much higher than that, up to even 400 petaflops, which is uh, you know gets up to some mind-boggling numbers depending on the exact configuration here. Right. I think even the summit system in the in the corral that that IBM and some of its partners are building was was a range too of 150 to 300, and it, it all depends on the technology and the and the the money available at that time, how much they can pack into it. Um, also, Nicole mentioned, I think this analysis is right, that those it's going to be Knights Hill Xeon processors that are going into making those petaflops reality. I think that's... Knights Hill uh, Xeon Phi processors, you mean? The Xeon Phi processors, right. Uh, those those system, or those uh, chips aren't out yet, but the 2018 time frame, they should certainly be out at that point. This is their follow-on to the Knights Landing Xeon Phi, and should definitely be uh, more than the three-plus petaflops that they're promising for Knight's Landing. So it depends on how many of those Knight's Hill uh, chips are going to be able to get into that system. And you're right, it could go well above 180 uh, and, and maybe up to almost uh, half an exascale, half an exaflop. Now, this is really taking that Xeon Phi architecture forward to where this is not an accelerator. It, it can function as an accelerator, but here we're looking at these Phi components as standalone processors in of themselves in the Knights Hill family. You could, you could also do that with Knights Landing, of course, right. but we're assuming that these are standalone Knights Hills. Yeah, we're assuming at that point it, it'll probably just be all, all Knights, Knights Hill processors in there, although they might have some Xeon Phis. Uh, certainly not any GPUs at this point. Um, and I think the uh, the most interesting part of this is, the, or one of the most interesting parts of this, is they're bumping up against sort of the uh, the megawatt limits on an exascale system. Even though this is a very efficient system for 180 petaflops, they're going to they're saying their peak power consumption is going to be in the neighborhood of 13 megawatts, which is just basically seven megawatts short of that that sort of magic number of 20 megawatts 
uh, that people talk about for sort of a maximum for a supercomputer. I don't know. That's not a magic number. That's an arbitrary number, and that number can be relaxed. I think the exascale systems that you'll see coming into other countries are going to be over that 20 mega, megawatt number. There's nothing magic about 20 megawatts. No, I agree. There's nothing magic about that number, but it's been talked about so much. You called it a magic number. You said that magic <laughs> number. People, people think that something over 20 megawatts is going to be hard to deploy. And I think you're right, though. It, that first exascale system will be over 20 megawatts. I mean, we are making you know, very good progress. I mean, these chip makers are doing a, a lot of good things with, with power efficiency now. But it's, it's probably not going to intersect that point where we're going to hit that 20 megawatt limit that, that you know, people have been talking about. But at 13 megawatts, this will still be sort of the, the highest power supercomputer probably ever built. Uh, and that's going to that's gonna take uh, an interesting facility to house that. Well, I, I've done so well with my exascale predictions so far, my pre-exascale predictions so far. I'll reiterate that I think our first exascale computer will come out of Japan. I first said that a couple of, uh, of years ago. I think there's a pretty good chance we'll have it by the end of the decade, or, or at least in 2020, whether that counts as this decade or next decade. Depends on your definition of when a decade begins or ends. But 2019, 2020, I bet we'll have an exascale system out in Japan, and that'll certainly be over 20 megawatts. I think it might be a lot closer to 100. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good bet. I don't know if it'll be 100, but I think it'll be over 20 as well. And I don't think it'll be either uh, an, an Intel-based system or a uh, IBM, like, open power-based system. It's, if it's being done in Japan, it's going to be with uh, mostly their technology. Now, we should mention that this Aurora system going into Argonne for the Coral Initiative, uh, is, there's actually going to be a precursor system going in, codenamed Theta, going in in 2016. This will be much smaller, right, and it's pr predominantly for application development on the new architecture, what Intel would call code modernization. Right, much smaller, but in a sense, it's it's big by today's standards. 8.5 petaflops, and it's going to be a 1.7 megawatt system. At 8.5, that's definitely a, going to be a top 10 system, and that's going to be deployed in 2016, so just next year. And but like you said, it's it's basically a precursor system to the much larger system for 2018. So, uh, it's to give the developers and some of the other people some experience with uh, the many core. Uh, Knight's technology in developing software for it. Just a little taster, an 8.5 petaflop amuse-bouche. Yeah, just, just a little appetizer there. Exactly. <laughs> Wet the appetite. Now, while we're on Intel, Michael, uh, we should follow up on the story that we uh, covered last week. Last week in HPC, we talked about the rumors that Intel was interested in an acquisition of Altera, which had spiked Altera's stock price. This was all on speculation from a uh, Wall Street Journal report. Now we have Bloomberg and other sources reporting that that deal is off, that Altera has turned it down, but some sources reporting that, in, that there was a specific offer on the table in excess of $50 a share that Altera has turned down. Right, and that $50 a share, $50 plus a share, was a big premium on the original price. That was up upwards of 40% more than what the going price was when they started. Now, of course, as we reported last week, the Altera's price bumped up significantly because the news was broken that, that an offer was being made, not the exact price. So now that 
that price is somewhere in between what it was and what Intel offers, and it's just sort of sticking there. Um, and maybe investors are still hoping that a, that a deal is in the offing at some point. Yeah, as of today, Friday, April 10th, we still see the stock price of Altera hovering in the mid 40s. It, it went down a little bit yesterday, then it's steadily been working on the initial report. The deal was off, but it's been floating back up. You have to remember, Altera is a publicly traded company. If there was a specific offer made, the shareholders of Altera can compel the management, uh, can compel the board to uh, look at that deal or to take it. Uh, you know, they can say we want to put this to a shareholder vote. So the the market at this point is uncertain. The, the the stock price has not spiked up to 50, nor has it fallen back down to the mid 30s where it was before this whole uh, deal started. It's it's right in the middle on this 50-50 kind of proposition. Will a deal go through or not? So in theory, the deal is off, or the reports are the deal was off. The my, my reading of the market is that the investors aren't sure it's off. Yeah, I guess that would be my reading as well. And I guess what we don't know is is what's going on sort of behind the scenes. What's the motivation for the people rejecting the deal? We certainly know the motivation for the stockholders why they they would want that deal. But why is Altera looking at that deal and saying no? That was that's very good premium. Um, and and I think most companies would tend to take that. But there must be some other circumstances that uh, doesn't didn't didn't uh, attract Altera to to taking the uh, the bid. All a part of this ongoing Intel acquisition spree to give them more of this value chain. If you yep. think they're going to continue to be prime vendors on these exascale or pre-exascale systems going forward, it's it's going to be interesting. I'll tell you what, Intel's an exciting company to, to go watch what they're doing with it that is. company. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. It's it's compelling television to watch these guys. <laughs> it is. I mean, they've been a fun company to, to look at over the over the past few years, and, and it's just becoming better and better. So, I definitely, we'll be keeping an eye on them, and then we'll see what they come up with next. All right, Michael. Thanks a lot, and thanks to you for listening. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 